can pray to you. We thank you that we can um, listen to your word. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. We thank you, Lord, that you've entrusted the gospel to us. And we thank you that um, we have the opportunity today, even this morning, to proclaim uh, your gospel. Uh, So we ask that you would um, just continue to encourage us and instruct us and move us, Lord, to be uh, faithful witnesses and ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And we do pray in his holy name. All God's people said, Amen. amen. For those unmusical people that are staying, 1 Corinthians 11. Paul is talking about the Lord's Supper in verse 23. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The, the uh, focus, the main point, not the only thing we can learn from the supper, but the main point of the supper is to bring us back to the main person in the universe, and that's Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. The main point of the supper is to bring us back to the main person in the universe, and that's Jesus Christ. The gospel that we preach is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel by Jesus Christ. It's the gospel through Jesus Christ. It is the gospel for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's look at a few scriptures. Since we're in Corinthians, go to 1 Corinthians 2. Just go back a few chapters. And we see Paul coming to Corinth and saying in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, he said, For I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Uh, go, no, go to Philippians Yeah, go to Philippians chapter 1. Here in Philippians, Paul uh, is talking about his uh, imprisonment. And he's basically saying, uh, God's working all things for good, even by being in prison, this is a good thing. He says... um, Verse 12 of chapter 1, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. In other words, it was God was using the fact that he was imprisoned because when Paul was imprisoned, other people then stood up and began to preach the gospel. In other words, the vacuum created by Paul's absence was filled by others standing up, and Paul said this ended up being a good thing that more people were now preaching Jesus Christ. Now he says in 15, Some preach Christ from envy and strife, some from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. In other words, they were basically criticizing and mocking the gospel, but Paul was saying, well, at least Jesus is being mentioned. The name of Jesus is getting out there. People are talking about Jesus. So that was a good thing, right? 
Um, he says, but the latter, uh, out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. <clears throat> Excuse me. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. And then he goes on to say, uh, verse 21, for to, me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is to gain. The focus of Paul's gospel was Jesus Christ. Colossians 1. Here in Colossians 1, Paul is talking about the gospel. In verse 5, he mentions the word of truth of the gospel. So he's talking about the gospel. And then he says that in verse uh, 13, that we, we, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love, or his own love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He, meaning Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. This person, Jesus, is pretty important, isn't he? And he is the head of the body, the church, who is from the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. All things. For, the, uh, for it pleased all the fullness to dwell in him, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Uh, Galatians 6. We see... Paul is focused on Jesus. The gospel is about Jesus. And he says in Galatians 6, he says, verse 14. Now, Galatians is like a mini version of Romans. So Romans and Galatians are probably the two epistles that most expound the gospel. Okay, the gospel. In the end of Galatians, he says, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom or by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The cross of Jesus Christ, the death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, the gospel is about Jesus Christ. Now, you're thinking, well, of course I know that because I'm a Christian. And I know the gospel is about Jesus Christ. Well, you know, I think that uh, very often we can get off the gospel. We get off the gospel. Now, today is, is, a, is a great day because we get to proclaim the Lord's death. Right? But we get to proclaim it two times today. First, when we take the supper. And you know when the second time is? When we go this afternoon to gather at, at the Tyler Ranch and have a festival, there will be 50, 60, or 70 unsaved people there. We already know this. So we now have an opportunity to proclaim the Lord, not just here in, in the confines of the church, but we get to proclaim the Lord outside the walls of the church. What a radical idea. What a radical idea. We actually get to talk to people 
about Jesus Christ and proclaim his death. So, Sean, can I have those? Uh, so, so today, when we, when we go to the festival, thank you, we usually say grace before the meal. So when we gather to say grace, we're going to give all of our guests today a uh, book of life or a gospel of John, depending. We'll give these out. If we run out of these, we'll give these out. Both of these are uh, mainly scripture, but it has also explanations of the gospel in them. Now, remember, when I talk about the gospel in the context of evangelism, I'm talking about the little gospel. And what I mean by that is the gospel for the Christian is a big gospel. The gospel's about everything, really. Discipleship and growing in your faith is growing in your understanding and application of the gospel, really. But when you're talking to a non-Christian, you, 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 you can, you know, maybe hint at the bigness of the gospel. But in reality, you have to stay focused on the foundational point or points of the gospel. And the main point of the gospel is Jesus Christ. Now, the, the, one of the problems we see is very often Christians keep their gospel little, and so they grow a little. Or they keep their gospel little and they have a little worldview. So as we grow, our gospel should grow meaning our understanding of the gospel. But in the context of evangelism and, and speaking with people, you, you, you have to keep the gospel c- kind of contained. Otherwise, you get off on all kinds of rabbit trails. All kinds of rabbit trails. Now, the, the, the reason I'm talking about Jesus today is because he is the foundation of the gospel. There's no Jesus and no gospel. If there's no death and resurrection of Jesus. There's no gospel. Right? I mean, there's Christian morality, but there's no gospel. Not really. Christian morality without Jesus is, 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 uh, is legalism and oppression. It's not the gospel. It's not good news. Okay? But I'm talking, I, w- I want us to focus on Jesus today because we're going to proclaim him this morning, him, and we're going to get to proclaim him this afternoon. So I want to talk about proclaiming Jesus. But the important point I want us to, to receive today, and then we're going, to, we're going to pray today, and we're going to pray specifically for anyone who will be there today, maybe some that are here this morning that don't know Jesus Christ. But we want to pray for their souls. We want to pray that they come to know Jesus Christ. Uh, we want to pray that they're born again. But the main point this morning is that the gospel is the gospel of Jesus and about Jesus. It is not... The gospel of Christianity. You hearing me? I, get, I need amens on that. Yeah. It's not the gospel of the church. In, in, when, when I got saved, which is, you know, back when Michael Jackson was a male and you know, th- those days, is that then it was like we were, we were taught, you know, to not talk about church because there was such an anti-church sentiment in the culture especially among young people. Well, I think that's probably still true today. The problem, that sentiment is even in the church today. It's not just in the world, it's even in the church. Where many Christians talk about, you don't need church, you just need Jesus. Well, there's a sense in which that's true and a sense in which that's really false. So um, I won't get into that. But the point is, when you're talking to an unbeliever, 
I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people about Christ, and they say, well, does that mean I have to go to church all the time? I never brought up church. Never brought it up. They brought it up. Um, so a lot of people think that you're preaching Christianity and you're preaching churchianity versus you're preaching Jesus Christ. So they think you're preaching religion when you're trying to preach to them about having a relationship with a person named Jesus. Okay? So we're not preaching a church. We're not preaching Christianity. If you look at the history of Christianity, it's stained with blood. It's a bad, it's a bad thing. Okay? And people, people often bring that up when you're talking to them. What about the Crusades? What about the Inquisition? What about this? What about that? Um, and you have to continually bring the gospel back to what the gospel is about. It's not about defending church history. Okay? It's about Jesus. And you know what? You don't need to defend Jesus. And I used to say to people, Jesus never condoned that. And bring it back to Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. So we're not preaching Christianity. It's very important. The, the culture's perception of Christianity at this point in time is very negative. Is it not? I don't know if you ever read secular news. Anybody read the news? Spend a couple days and read a lot of news. And you'll see how strong the anti-Christian sentiment is. But it, it's an anti-Christianity sentiment. Not usually an anti-Jesus sentiment, but an anti-Christianity sentiment. So we're not preaching the institution. We're preaching the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Secondly, we're not preaching politics. We're not preaching politics. Surveys show that many unbelievers, when they think of Christianity, they think of what's called the religious right, and they're thinking of a political movement. Now, there's reasons for that because the media skews things. Okay? By much of the media is skewed in such a way that it portrays the worst possible elements of the church. You get what I'm saying? Now the church is doing great things. Okay, Christians are doing great things. But those are generally not the things the media focuses on. They focus on the scandals, they focus on the hypocrisy, they focus on, you know, all of these negative things, right? But many people in our cultures, their perception of the church is that the church is a political movement and it wants power. And not only that, but it's a conservative political movement and it's a white political movement. Now, whether that's the right perception or not, that's the perception. I don't think it's the right perception, but the point is, that's the perception, and so that becomes an automatic barrier in the minds of many people when you try to talk to them about Christ. They may end up bringing up politics. They might say, oh, well, are you going to vote for Donald Trump? As if a Christian is going to vote for Donald Trump, or if, as if every Christian's a Republican, or as if, you get what I'm saying? Those, those kinds of mis- misconceptions are out there in the public. The gospel of Jesus is not come to the kingdom of the Republican Party. Give me some amens. That is not the gospel. And yet that's the gospel many conservative churches preach. 
If you're a Democrat, you're going to get excommunicated. In a lot of churches, Bible churches. The kingdom is the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. Whether that's a Republican kingdom or a Democratic kingdom or whatever kingdom, whatever kingdom men set up is a flawed kingdom. Only Jesus is going to establish the perfect kingdom in justice and righteousness. Amen? Amen. Jesus will do that. We, we have to stop putting our hope in political saviors. Now, you might think I'm saying we shouldn't be involved in politics. I'm not saying that. I think that more Christians ought to run. I think that Christians ought to be on City Hall, on, on the Board of Aldermen in O'Fallon and St. Peter's and different communities. I think they ought to be on school boards. I think they ought to be in Jeff City. I think they ought to be in Washington. But having said that, our salvation is not in politics. You can have a candidate who has all the right answers, who stands for all the right positions, and, well, that would be the candidate I would vote for. But that doesn't mean that candidate's born again, number one, and standing for those positions doesn't bring anybody into the kingdom of God. So you can be right on all the issues. A person can be right on all the issues according to your view of those issues, and they can still be destined to hell. I mean, we, we simplify things. Well, you know, the liberals are all damned and conservatives are all saved. Well, that's not true. That is not true at all. And we need to be careful of falling into this simplistic view of things. We're also not preaching science. What do I mean by that? One of the, one of the greatest rabbit trails of all in evangelism is the rabbit trail of evolution. Now, this is, you know, when I, when I got saved, which was a long time ago, uh, we, thank you, uh, we, we talked about, I read a lot of books on evolution because I just assumed this would come up in conversations and I wanted to be prepared, you know, um, and, it, and it does come up, you know, um, but you don't, you, when, you're, when you're sharing Christ, you don't say, if you don't believe in a literal creation in seven days, you can't be saved. Because the, the, the scripture doesn't say that. I don't know about you. When I came to Jesus, I didn't take a theology class. I didn't take a theology exam. I didn't have to answer a bunch of questions on evolution, science, uh, intelligent design. I didn't have to answer a bunch of questions on the Trinity and the two natures of Christ. I didn't answer. I was a sinner. I needed a savior. Jesus saved me, and he did. And he did. Now, that doesn't mean as Christians, we don't learn these things. We have kids going to apologetics conference. That's good. Okay? We should be learning about our gospel. As I said, it grows and grows and grows as we learn. We understand our gospel affects science. The way we see science, how we interpret nature. I, that's all true. But I'm talking about you as an individual Christian talking to a non-Christian. And when they, when they bring up things like that, you have to learn the fine art of redirecting the conversation back to Jesus. That's really a lot of the battle, is bringing the conversation back to Jesus. 
Because you will be amazed if you will begin to share Christ with people how many other things they bring up that you're not even talking about. So um, I have very distinctive and conservative views about inspiration and about creation and all of that. But I don't preach, I don't preach the gospel of Ken Ham. I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ken didn't die for my sins. Jesus did. Are you hearing me? We need to make the focus Jesus. His work. What Jesus did for us is the focus of, of what we're talking to a non-Christian. Lastly, um, we're not preaching the gospel of goodness. We're not preaching the gospel of morality. No amens? Now, this is probably one of the most common misconceptions. And and this goes really to the heart of the gospel. Because the gospel of goodness implies that you're saved by what you do. It implies a gospel of works. And I grew up in a home, really wasn't a Christian home, but we were, you know, when we were little, we went to church. And the message was Christianity was morality. It was a mix of ritual and morality. And and the message was good people get into heaven and bad people don't. Now, granted, this was a child's mind interpreting, you know, what's coming at them. But there wasn't a gospel of grace that permeated that environment, okay? Um, And I think for many people, that's what they think. That when they think of, of Christianity versus Jesus, when they think of church versus Jesus, they think that means they have to <clears throat> be good. I, I've told this story many times, but it's a, I'm going to say it again because it's a striking illustration. I was witnessing to this woman years ago, uh, and I said nothing about morality. I said nothing about sexual ethics. Nothing. And out of the clear blue, she says to me after a pause, so if I believe in Jesus, I can't live with my boyfriend then. Now, I said nothing about that. Now, if you, live, if you truly embrace Jesus and walk with him, yeah, you shouldn't live with your boyfriend. But that's not the gospel. That might be a fruit of the gospel, a result of the gospel. You get what I'm saying? But that's not the gospel. And it's very easy for us to fall into this because as Christians, what happens is as as our gospel gets bigger and we realize, oh, man, following Jesus means I need to be holy. And we start focusing on sanctification and holiness, and we should, but we we can fall into focusing on that and forgetting that the non-Christian, that's not the message they need, okay? They need They don't need that message. That's too, it's almost like too much gospel. Now, I'm not saying you don't say to people there's a right or wrong. I'm not saying you don't preach law in that sense. I'm not saying that. My point is, is that the people, what people need to understand is they're not really going to change until they enter the kingdom first. You don't change to get in. That's salvation by works. You change after you're in. That's salvation by grace. Because God changes you. 
Okay? He works in us to will and to do his good pleasure, right? He comes into us through his Holy Spirit. He puts us in his kingdom. And then when we are in, then he begins to transform us. Yes, we read, we study, we pray, we serve, we mortify the flesh, we, we exercise the disciplines. Yes, we do all that as he works in us. But we can do all that. If he's not in us, we're not going to change. We can become religious, but we won't change. We can substitute the appearance, the form of godliness, but we won't really change because we won't have the power of it, right? So the, the gospel we're preaching is not a gospel of turn over a new leaf and then you can come into the kingdom. Or clean up your act and then you can come to church. That's not the gospel. And in a church like this, which traditionally has been very conservative, you get various branches of this Christian morality. Okay, so you get you get the gospel of homeschooling. How <laughs> oh, you all laugh? How huh? I finally struck a chord. Have I not? I mean, this is a gospel that if your kids are in public school, de facto you are going to hell. De facto, there's no discussion. Okay, because only a pagan would do that. Um. We have the gospel of courtship. <laughs> Took another court. Yes, if you allow your kids to date, then clearly you are damned. We have a, a pick, pick your poison. You get what I'm saying? And so, you know, if you keep up with what's going on kind of in the subculture called Christianity in America, there's all these different fads that church, you know, and people grab onto different things, and they become the thing, you know. So the thing isn't a thing. The thing is a person, and it's Jesus. And that's why this is so important, because we drift. Can we do Come Thou Fount? Can we do that song? Okay. Because uh, it talks about our heart drifting, right? The, the thing is, we drift Okay, we drift. I'm a homeschooler. I'm more sanctified than you. We drift. I'm a Republican. I'm more sanctified than you. We drift. I'm pro-life. I'm more sanctified than you. It's not that any given thing isn't a good thing. It's just that it's a thing. Okay? And we cannot preach to unsaved people the things that end up being the fruit of sanctification years later in our life. It's not how it works. When we, when we start thinking that way, the, the problem becomes is that we can't reach people anymore. We're so into our Christianity subculture, we can't even think where people are at anymore. And so we can't reach them. We're like speaking a totally foreign language. You hear me? So, um, you know, it's not that church is unimportant. It's not that politics is unimportant. It's not that science is unimportant. It's not that morality is unimportant. The point is, is when you're talking to an unbeliever, those things are not in the forefront of your discussion. It's the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's what's in the forefront of our discussion because that's the foundation of everything. 
right? That is the foundation. I got into the kingdom because I, a sinner, was saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and his, and his victory over death when he came, rose from the grave. That's what happened to me. I didn't get saved by the message, become politically conservative. Matter of fact, one of my first prayers, I swear before the Lord, was God, don't make me like Jerry Falwell. I'm serious. Because I was repulsed at the, 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 the moral majority political thing he was doing. True. Now, I think a lot of what he was doing was good, but when I was a pagan looking at what he was doing, it actually became a stumbling block to me. And I'm not blaming him. But my point is, if I had gone to a church that was preaching, preaching politics or a church that was preaching uh, morality, I would, have, I would have walked away. I went to a church that was preaching Jesus Christ. They kept Jesus at the, at, at the center of the message. And, and that, and that what, what real Bible Christianity is about is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Who was God. And how Jesus, through his death and resurrection, he made a way for me to know God who loved me. It was really very simple. Now, remember, that's the little gospel. As you, get, as you grow and learn, gospel becomes universal. I mean, it just blows your mind how it affects everything. But that's not what you give a typical unbeliever. They have to be able to enter the kingdom through a very simple message. So, today we proclaim the Lord's death. Jesus died for us. Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? We were in sin, alienated from God, estranged from him, not knowing him. And because of his great love for us, he came in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, and removed all of the barriers between he and ourselves. And through his death, our sins are no longer imputed to us, but rather Christ's righteousness is given to us as our sin is imputed to him. That's why he died. He bore my sin. But he rose from the dead, and by rising from the dead, he proved that he conquered sin because the cause of sin is death. If you defeat death, you, well, clearly you've defeated sin. And Jesus rose from the dead, and he is now alive. And because I put my simple faith in him, simple faith, Jesus, be my Savior. I have sinned. Save me, Jesus. He then puts his spirit in me, and his spirit in me then begins to transform and change me. He gives me eternal life as a gift. That gift is a free gift, because a gift you pay for is not a gift. A gift you earn is not a gift. A gift is free to the receiver. And so we're given eternal life, and eternal life lasts how long? Forever, because it's eternal. But it doesn't begin when you die, it begins when you receive it. And when you receive it, at that moment, you now have eternal life, and from that day forward, you will live forever with God in heaven when you do die. So the good news is both for now and forever, for life, for godliness, for eternity. And it's free through the work of Jesus Christ. He did all the work, but we must receive. We must believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. That's what the Scripture says. Call upon him. You will not be ashamed. That's what the Scripture says. 
So we proclaim our faith when we take the supper. When we take the supper, we're saying, we understand his body was broken for me. We understand his blood was shed for me. We understand that. So I'm taking this as in remembrance of what he did for me. Now, let me say one more thing. I want to spend a little time in praying for this afternoon. And then we're going to take the elements. But I'm going to say something that might be a little controversial. You ready? If you're ready, say yes. Yes. Okay. Now, you know when I say that, I never say anything controversial. It's only when I don't warn you that I say something really crazy. (laughs) But here's the controversial thing. Is that if you have enough understanding and faith to take these elements, and it's, it's genuine for you. You're not doing it because somebody's looking at you, like, walk down there. Then you have enough knowledge and faith to share Christ. Now, it doesn't mean you don't learn about evolution and apologetics. That's all. That's, do that. But you don't need a PhD to preach Jesus. And when you read the scripture, it is amazing how simple it often is. When Jesus called his first disciples, they're the go- who did they go talk to? They're their brothers. Hey, uh, I think Jesus might be the real thing. Really? Yeah, come and see. It was that, come and see. Let's explore this. Come and see. We, 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 we make it complicated. It's not complicated. So, um, why don't we go ahead and take the supper, and then after the supper, we're going to spend a little time. We're going to pray today. There will be many people there that don't know Christ. Um, We're going to give these things out. About 40 or 50 of these people will be college students, okay? Not from America. So, God is bringing the nations to us. I mean, how spoiled are we? How spoiled? I, I get to be a missionary today. And, well, yeah, I guess go, driving up toward that, yeah, that is a mission trip. Yeah, driving up there is a mission trip. But at least I'm not going overseas. Okay? So you get to be a foreign missionary today. Is that awesome or what? Okay? So many of these kids, like I said, many of them will be college students. We're going to give these out. I want you to greet every one of them. Talk to every one of them. Say, hey, did you, get a, did you get a life book? Hey, did you get a Gospel of John? Encourage you to read it. Just talk to people. What's your story? A lot of times I say to people, what's your, what's your story? Tell me your spiritual story. What's your journey? Listen. Listen to people. Engage people. And then share Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Invite them to church. So you want to learn more? Come to church. We'd love to have you. We'd love to see you again. Great meeting you. I'd love to see you again. Give them your phone number. Say, so, hey, if you read that book and you have questions, call me. Write your number on the back. Say, hey, give me your book. Write your number on the back of the book. It's simple. It's very simple. Let's stand. Lord, we thank you for your finished work that we're going to celebrate now as we take the elements. I pray that each of us would uh, truly be taking it in genuine faith, not out of ritual, not out of habit, as we, Lord, do profess by our actions 
that we believe in your death and your resurrection, that you are the Savior of the world. And I pray, Lord, that today, this afternoon, we, your people, would continue to proclaim our faith in you as the Savior of the world as we mingle and share with those, many of those who do not know you yet. So God, use us today to be witnesses for you. And we pray, Lord, for your glory. Amen.